Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Yes, welcome back to the airwaves of the Voice of the Cape. 91.3 FM and 95.8 in the Boland. Alhamdulillah, it is Monday, the 11th of December 2017, and that corresponds with the 22nd of Rabiul Awal 1439. A very big shukran to our sound technical engineer, and that is Mr. Faldi Fandalali. Also, you shukran to our producer, and that is Tasneem Adams. Now, over the past few days, we have been closely watching developments in the Middle East following U.S. President Donald Trump's announcement that he would recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Capital and move the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. As we've seen in the media, protests have erupted across the occupied Palestinian territories with thousands of Palestinians taking to the streets in what has been called the Day of Rage. Thousands have been injured in scuffles with Israeli forces who have used firebombs and tear gas on protesters. But the outrage has been global. An estimated 20,000 people filled the streets of Jordan this weekend, chanting Jerusalem is the capital of Palestine. We saw protests in Malaysia outside the U.S. Embassy and in Istanbul as well. On Wednesday, Cape Townians are set to march to Parliament in a protest organized by the Muslim Judicial Council, Al-Quds Foundation and other solidarity organizations. Tonight on the burning issue we ask how South Africa should respond. Pro-Palestinians activists say they are tired of empty, meaningless lines from the South African government expressing its support for Palestinians and the two-state solution. As ANC branches are expected to meet at this week's ANC elective conference in Johannesburg, what resolutions on Israel and Palestine should be taken? Now just a reminder to our listeners, we'll only be opening the lines at around 8.30, but you can still participate in the program by sending us your questions or comments via the SMS line, and that is 47913, alternatively via WhatsApp, on the number 072238 Now we are joined in studio by Terry Crawford-Brown, who is representing the Palestine Solidarity Campaign. Later in the program, we will be joined online by Maulana Ihsan Hendricks, who is the Al-Quds Foundation Director, and as well as we'll be joined online by Professor Farid Isak, who is a board member of BDS South Africa, and that is the Boycott, Divestment and Sanctions. But for now, let's greet Terry Crawford-Brown. Terry, a very good evening to you. Good evening. Thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, thanks for joining us in the studio. Now, you've obviously heard my introduction. Uh, what would your immediate comment be on what the current situation is? Well, obviously, President Trump has exasperated the world, but he has ignored the fact that since 1928, annexation of land by conquest is illegal in terms of international law uh, via the um, Kellogg-Brandt Pact of 1928, the U UN uh, Charter. Annexation of land by war and conquest is illegal. Mm -hmm. Um, and so he thinks that realities in the ground can overwhelm that. That's not the case, as, as the outcry internationally has, has shown. I think, in fact, he has weakened himself dramatically and the United States because no longer are we going to be taken in by the idea that the United States is a, a neutral m uh, mediator in this issue. The U.S. has discredited itself entirely. 
uh, and hopefully after 25 years of the so-called peace process that is now coming to an end and we can actually get on with um, meaningful negotiations between the two parties. Okay, that's just another question that I've got. How is the recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel uh, legitimizing the Zionist Israeli occupation? It doesn't. It simply highlights the illegality of the Zionist occupation both of Jerusalem and other areas of Palestine. Mm-hmm. And I think you've maybe touched on it, but is the decision of Trump illegal under international law? Absolutely. It's illegal, has been since 1928. This is not something new. Mm -hmm. It's illegal in terms of international law um, through the UN Charter, but numerous resolution of the UN Security Council. Mm -hmm. Just to remind our listeners that this evening, our focus on the the, the, the burning issue is a deeper look at what is happening with the uh, Trump's Jerusalem decision. We are joined in studio by Terry Crawford Payne, who is representing the Palestine Solidarity Campaign. And as we said, we will be joined online by Maulana Ihsan Hendricks, uh, who is the director director for the Al-Quds Foundation, as well as Professor Farid Isak, who is a board member of BDS South Africa. Now, uh, Terry, if I may call you Terry, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. how does this decision affect the prospects of possible peace in the Middle East? Obviously, there's huge outri- outcry at the moment internationally. Mm-hmm. But once the dust has settled, I think I'm hopeful that it will actually advance the issue, that we have been living under a cloud, a cuckoo land of a two-state two, two solution possibility negotiated between the Americans and the Israelis and forced on the Palestinians. Uh, now that, that that facade is removed, um, I think we'll move on to other issues. Um, the question is how inter- the international community balances the scales so that proper negotiations can can take place. The mo- uh, until now, the scales have been so imbalanced, there's been no negotiations. Mm-hmm. So it's now up to the international community, through the Arab League, through the African Union, 138 countries that have recognized the state of Palestine, to insist internationally we've had enough of this lot. Okay. Now, I believe also that on Thursday, the 7th of December, the Palestine Solidarity Campaign, you guys had a press statement uh, as well as some other sort of action happening on that particular day. Maybe just share with our listeners uh, about this particular event. Yes, we, we responded immediately by, by calling for a placard de- demonstration on Friday afternoon outside mm-hmm. St. George's Cathedral to highlight the connections between international support for the uh, struggle against apartheid during the 1970s and 80s and the parallels with apartheid in Israel and Palestine as a crime against humanity. In addition, there is the genocide and, in addition, the war crimes. So Israel is repeatedly in violation of international law. But it was because of international solidarity that we, to the surprise of the world, Mm -hmm. came through a relatively peaceful transition. The expectation was that we would have a bloodbath mm-hmm. and a civil war. We certainly had problems, but it was not n- nearly as uh, disastrous as it might have been. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think in your press statement, for example, you note that South Africa's own liberation from the system of apartheid was a consequence of international solidarity. And I think, is this what you are calling for? Yes, and, and the world actually looks to South Africa mm-hmm. to lead that solidarity. 
almost kind of simply because you know they found or South Africa found itself also in uh, an apartheid state uh, a few years back. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and the parallels have now been established through our own Human Sciences Research Council research. Uh, the Russell Tribunal on Palestine, which met here at the, in the District 6 Museum in, in 2011, that Israeli government conduct towards Palestinians meets the legal criteria of apartheid as a crime against humanity. And in terms of the Rome Statute, apartheid is no longer just re- re- limited to South Africa. South Africa is given the name of apartheid, but apartheid is a crime in international law, a crime against humanity. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, one of the famous uh, quotations, for example, uh, comes from our late uh, ex-president Nelson Mandela, where he declared that South Africans would not be truly free until Palestinians are free. Yes, and I hope that comes through at the ANC's Congress this week, this coming weekend. Mm-hmm. And I think that is also what we were stating earlier on, is that, for example, they will be having the elective conference in Johannesburg, and we look forward to see what resolutions on Israel and Palestine should in fact be taken. But in terms of your uh, action, as you said on Friday, the placard demonstration, certainly you, you made some sort of call, one of it being to release immediately all Palestinian political prisoners, for example. What are some of the others that you are calling on? Well, we're calling for the end of the occupation, including the demolition of the apartheid wall. Mm-hmm. The apartheid wall is an appalling structure. Um, so there's the, the end of the occupation, but also that there should be full human rights for Arab um, Israeli citizens and others, and the right of return of, uh, of refugees, mm-hmm. which has been acknowledged by the United Nations since 1948, that the Palestinian refugees have the right of return. Okay. Well, I've got a message here from 5686, and it says, I was at a Palestinian rally, and it was said at that meeting that Jerusalem's capital will be Al-Quds. Well, there's one of our listeners that's giving a comment. Well, Al-Quds is the Palestinian name for Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Well, once again, a very big shukran and thank you to our listeners for their participation to the program. Now, Terry, further also I noticed, for example, uh, that you were urging Cape Townians of all communities, uh, particularly Christians and Jews as well as Muslims, to demonstrate their commitment to universal human rights. Yes, this is a human rights issue. It's not a Muslim, Jewish, Christian issue, though obviously Jerusalem is sacred to all three Abrahamic faiths. Mm -hmm. Um, And we should be emphasizing this is a human rights issue. It's not a Muslim-Jewish collision, as the Zionist uh, government would like to have the world believe. It's a human rights issue, and it's incumbent on people of all faith and people without faith Mm -hmm. to come to, to, to... to support this in terms of human rights issues. Well, so certainly, as Pateri Payne is a human rights issue. And if you have just joined us here on The Burning Issue, we are joined in studio by Terry Crawford-Brown, who is representing the Palestine Solidarity Campaign. We're going to be joined online now by Maulana Ihsan Hendricks, as well as Professor Farid Isak. Now, over the past few days, we have been closely watching developments in the Middle East following U.S. President Donald Trump's announcement that he would recognize Jerusalem 
Jerusalem as Israel's capital and move the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. As we've seen in the media, protests have erupted across the occupied Palestinian territories with thousands of Palestinians taking to the streets in what has been called the Day of Rage. Thousands have been injured in scuffles with Israeli forces who have used firebombs and tear gas on protesters now i think let's go for a quick ad break and uh, when we come back we'll continue with the program called the burning issue here on the voice of the cape welcome back to the burning issue here on the voice of the cape 91.3 fm and 95.8 in the Boland. and if you have just joined us uh, this evening we're looking at how south africa should respond pro-palestinian activists say they are tired of empty meaningless lines from the south african government expressing its support for palestinians and the two-state solution uh, ANC branches are expected to meet at this week's ANC elective conference in Johannesburg. What resolutions on Israel and Palestine should be taken? And this obviously also comes from uh, the press statement uh, actioned by the South African government. Now we are joined online by Molana Ihsan Hendricks, who is the director for the Al Quds Foundation. Molana, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh, to all the listeners of Radio Voice of the Cape, fellow South Africans, and our comrade uh, uh, Terry Crawford Brown uh, in the studio. Shukran, Malana. Malana, how just must let's for Sulasi family foot in here. How does the recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel legitimize the Zionist Israeli occupation? No, not at all. It can never uh, legitimize the occupation because. Occupation is a crime against uh, humanity. In this particular instance, a crime against the Palestinian people. So there is no way that it can be legitimized in any way. And therefore, in fact, I support uh, the very strong opinion uh, of uh, Terry uh, Crawford Brown when we must remind our community that Jerusalem Al-Quds is, of course, uh, the capital for the three uh, Abrahamic religions, uh, Christianity, Judaism, as well as uh, for the Muslim uh, community. And um, we cannot uh, begin to think that uh, Mr. Trump's uh, announcement is one in isolation of the type of uh, collaboration that he enjoys from prominent Arab leaders. And I think uh, Mr. Trump, uh, is taking completely advantage of the present uh, prevalent uh, climate that is uh, prevalent uh, in the Middle East. Okay, so we're also joined online by Professor Farid Isak, who is a board member of BDS South Africa. Professor, assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum, salam. And you and your listeners. Uh, Professor, you've obviously heard what uh, Maulana Ihsan Hendricks has said. Anything that you wish to add at this stage? Well, I'm really sorry, but I just got on, so I just got the last sentence or two. Okay. Now, the, the question we asked um, Molina, um, Professor, was how the recognition of Jerusalem as the capital of Israel legitimizes the Zionist Israeli occupation? Uh, well, I mean, there's nothing really that can legitimize it. Um, but uh, what may be... Uh, giving it further legitimacy in the eyes of some people. Um, the international community has quite clearly uh, indicated that, that, that they're not going along with it. 
Um, it is a big let's add the upfront about it. It is a major victory that the United States has shifted, uh, has decided to ship, to ship the embassy uh, to Jerusalem. Um, and that is why there is so much uh, anger throughout the international community, more particularly uh, inside the Arab world. Mm-hmm. Um, the evident and clear rejoicing in Israel and in the Zionist world, that is a reflection of it. And so, um, but on the other hand, I think it is also just uh, making something much more visible that has been known to all of us. Firstly, there is no peace process. And secondly, the United States has never been um, a genuine peace broker. And so the one advantage, the one uh, silver uh, lining that we see in this is the destruction of the myth that the United States has an interest in peace firstly, and secondly, that the United States could possibly be trusted to be even handled. Mm-hmm. on peace brokerage uh, what is your view on, on this decision how will this affect the prospect of peace in the Middle East well of course uh, we have seen uh, particularly over the last uh, so many years that all peace initiatives has never come to fruition and so the question of whether there is really a peace uh, process it is uh, beginning to uh, sound very laughable that, uh, you know, the uh, United States of America, correctly, as the professor said, has never been genuine uh, peace uh, brokers. Uh, Here it is completely one-sided. It is uh, moving uh, completely in the interest always of the occupier, Zionist occupation. Uh, Of course, there is not a community that wants more peace than the Palestinian people. I think that the Palestinian people have uh, shown their willingness. Uh, We have uh, 23 years ago, we have seen the Oslo Agreement. And what if one goes to the essence of the Oslo Agreement, you will see that the late uh, Yasser Arafat and the Palestinian Authority uh, contributed more and made more compromises so that uh, at the end of the day, there may be peace. So one wonders, uh, you understand, to what extent really uh, I don't think that the Zionist occupation themselves are uh, very much interested uh, in the peace uh, process. So yes, one has to really think whether there is generally a peace process mm-hmm. uh, that every time uh, collapses and crumbles in front of our eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Professor Farid Isak, as we said, board member of BDS South Africa, we are informed that ANC branches are expected to meet at this week's ANC elective conference in Johannesburg. Now, should the ANC now consider a serious BDS strategy against Israel? Well, uh, the ANC, in terms of its policy, has not specifically mentioned BDS Uh, in its uh, previous uh, policy uh, documents. But the ANC uh, has clearly called for some measures uh, against uh, Israel. Uh, So on the one hand, one has the upcoming policy, the the upcoming elective conference coming up. And on the other hand, there has been existing ANC policies, and that is now um, the intention is that that should be up. Uh, and uh, calling for a downgrade in relations with Israel. Now, that's not the ideal situation. The ideal situation is that South Africa should have no 
diplomatic relations with, uh, with Israel at all. Um, there is no excuse for a, uh, a democracy or a de- democracy-loving country that acquired its own freedom uh, in the way South African that to have any kind of diplomatic relations with uh, Israel. Um, but in some ways, I mean, politics is also the art of the doable. And so uh, there are many people who are saying this is the least that you can do to downgrade your relations with Israel. Mm-hmm. So it is quite clear that there is enormous support for this inside the ANC as an organization. Whether there is sufficient support among the winners and dealers in the ANC, that's a different story. Whether there is the political will on the part of government to actually implement such a policy if it becomes a full ANC policy at the uh, December conference, that is a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Terry, maybe just your comment on that. Well, I would hope that the scale of international opinion will, will push the ANC to, to, to start implementing what it has been policy and what ha, has uh, not been implemented. Uh, so they've already heard from the ANC members that 75% of them want the downgrading of the embassy. And this is now the time to actually implement that and, and go beyond downgrading to actually uh, breaking off diplomatic relations. Maulana Iksan Hendricks, recently we saw demonstrations by Palestinians in Ramallah in South Africa protesting what they called the South African government's betrayal against the Palestinians. Why is there a contradiction between ANC policy and the South African government's actions on Palestine? Yeah, that is a very important uh, question and perhaps maybe uh, Professor Farid can give us a little bit more insight into that, but I think that uh, it is clear that the Palestinian people uh, started picking up because there's a number of uh, recent uh, very serious initiatives that we have seen that is not that does not enjoy the fulfillment and I think that demonstration in Ramallah is just, again, to remind the South African community of their historical past and that the Palestinian people were always in the forefront in supporting the struggle for the South African community for their freedom and their liberation. And so, uh, yes, uh, if uh, there has been uh, indications that uh, the South African government uh, seems not to be Uh, too serious on the question, of course, of as though the normalization of relationships between uh, South Africa and uh, the state of uh, Israel and and a number of other aspects. And in fact, we see uh, many things are intensifying as though there has not been an historical past uh, of of, of struggle in in, in South Africa. And the Palestinian people, of course, uh, you can never underestimate their intelligence. And I think that they needed to. Uh, the demonstration of the Palestinian community in Ramallah is in many ways, of course, what many South Africans have been expressing here in South Africa, concern about how the continuity of the South African government in enjoying uh, economic relations um, and, and, and other forms of relations. So, yes. We cannot uh, close our eyes uh, to that. Uh, shukran for that. Uh, Professor, maybe, uh, Farid, you may want to add to what Molina has just said. I mean, look, uh, at the one, on the one hand, uh, ANC statements 
keeps on reiterating their position in solidarity with the Palestinians. So, at an official level, there has been no change inside the ANC. Um, There are two problems with that. The conditions under which the Palestinians live and die worsen every day. And so it's simply not enough for the ANC to keep on reiterating and restating the same positions that they've been stating for the last 20, 25 years. If the Israelis are upping the game in terms of the dispossession, the marginalization, the oppression, the ethnic cleansing in Israel, if the ANC calls itself a liberation struggle organization, the ANC simply has to up the game. And the ANC hasn't done that significantly. The second thing, and I'll come back to the ANC in a moment, the second thing is this, that there's always a difference between a political party that governs and the government itself. When one governs, in some ways you come to terms with the kind of restrictions, the larger real politics, uh, economic constraints, international diplomacy constraints, that in some ways limits your ability to act. That we understand. So there's always a bit of a gap between a ruling party and, and, and that same party actually being in between government and a party. However, inside the agency, what is worrying is that in the last few months, there has been a significant a number of events that have taken place, and um, they've been excused away all the time. The chairperson of the ANC's International Relations Committee and the committee actually had a meeting inside the Thule House with an Israeli cabinet minister. She did offer an excuse that it was an accidental meeting. Now, it really boggles the mind how an accidental meeting can take place between a committee and and an Israeli minister inside the Thule House. Then, um, inside, other media has reported how the same chairperson of the committee has been in touch with the Jewish Board of Deputies, what the International Relations Committee has got to do with the Jewish Board of Deputies, a religious organization, God alone knows. Political entities interact with other political entities. If the Jewish Board of Deputies met, say, with the Commission on uh, Religion, Cultural and Linguistic Rights, that's a difference. But the Jewish Board of Deputies is supposed to be a religious organization, not supposed to be a lobby for another country. Mm-hmm. Um, then you had the case of the Deputy Director General of uh, Derko uh, handing a gift over to the passing Israeli embassy. Um, and then you had the previous uh, Director General of Foreign Affairs in Israel, meeting with the former Director General uh, of Foreign Affairs of Berko in South Africa about nearly a year ago. So there's been this number of moves that, in terms of ANC policy, it violates ANC policy. And yet we don't see anybody reprimanding these ANC politicians for violating ANC policy. So we suspect they've been, uh, they've been t- uh, t- 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 checking out the waters for further policy changes. 
And there is a definite element inside Darko mm-hmm. of former ambassadors, um, of former ambassadors and one or two well-placed politicians that clearly serve the interests of the Zionist lobby inside the Department of uh, International Relations and Cooperation. Mm-hmm. So we know exactly who these people are. Um, uh, at the, uh, uh, and now I'm just talking in a general uh, capacity, not in my capacity as a, as, uh, as capacity in my capacity as chairperson of uh, the board of BDS, and we've confronted some of these people with what uh, they've been up to. They haven't given us convincing explanations, and at the moment, nearly all the branches throughout the country, all the provinces, have endorsed a position of at minimum the ANC should downgrade its relations. But what should... I suspect, what I suspect that lobby will do, and if I conclude on this note. What I suspect the pro-Israel lobby inside the ANC will do, they will go for a downgrade resolution, but they will put so many conditions attached to it that in effect it means nothing. This, I suspect, is the game that they'll be that they're playing at the moment. But we will see. Silver uh, Maposa over the weekend wrote in, uh, in, an, in an interview in the City Press about how the branches are the heart and soul of democracy inside the ANC. Okay, the branches are the heart of soul of democracy inside the ANC. Then clearly the ANC must listen to those branches. Uh, shukran, this Professor Fadid. This conference will prove whether that is the case or whether the ANC is really in the hands of a few people who manipulate things behind the scenes. Shukran for that time. is really catching up with us. Uh, can I just ask Maulana Ihsan, beyond the mass marches to Parliament, the picketing and those kind of things, what other action can be taken by civil society? Yeah, I think it is uh, very important that we intensify our efforts in that particular regard. We have never believed that the public demonstrations are the ultimate and the only solution. But I think particularly in this particular instance, and if I may use this particular platform, it is we have uh, tried over the years, uh, and uh, correctly as uh, Terry Crawford Brown said, this is not a Muslim uh, uh, issue, it's not a Christian or a Jewish issue alone. And particularly in my capacity as the national director of the Al-Quds Foundation and former president of the Muslim Judicial Council, that we call out and we uh, begin to seriously work towards the collective in South Africa, not only the ulama in the Muslim community. Uh, it is time that we embrace the Christian leadership, the, uh, the, the priests and the ministers out in the Christian community, uh, the rabbis and, and those in the Jewish community who support the cause of the Palestinian people and who support the cause of justice and freedom. And I think this is where we need to intensify. Already, of course, on Wednesday, when we are going to have this particular march, my appeal even to the leadership of the Al-Quds Foundation and the MJC is to make sure that the platform is shared with many of our Christian leaders so that our people can desist from the point of view that this is an exclusive Muslim issue. It's not an exclusive Muslim issue. So beyond the marches and beyond the interviews that we have, I think on the ground and civil society and the solidarity movement, we need to do a little bit more to embrace the collective of the South African 
a community for the struggle, inshallah. Inshallah. That was Maulana Ihsan Hendricks, as we said, the director at the Al-Qud Foundation. Shukran to you, Maulana. A very big shukran also to uh, Professor Farid Isak, uh, member of the B- uh, member of the board of BDS South Africa. Um, shukran jazeel to both of you, and I say assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. We are now joined online by Dr. Anwar Nagia, the director of the Palestine Museum. Dr. Assalamu alaikum. Warahmatullahi wa barakatuh to you and to the uh, avid listeners of the VLC. And thank you for having us. Uh, shukran, uh, Doctor. Uh, doctor, first question How does the South African government move beyond the rhetoric and take concrete action on Palestine? Well, we are, we are pleasantly surprised by their latest action and we obviously know that the uh, issues around uh, just the simple Rohingya issue they've capitulated and they've been very ambivalent with regard to the uh, Israeli project and um, we've expected them to not only downgrade the embassy uh, but also probably close it or expel the uh, Israeli illegitimate state of Israeli embassy officials that are here. Because remember, the Israeli government in 1948, when two things happened, uh, in 1948 the apartheid state of South Africa was formed, and in 1948 the apartheid state of Israel was formed under the guise of the United Nations, who despite that in 1948, in January in 1948, they already accepted the Human Rights Charter, which in fact persists from the activities of an apartheid state and how how contradictory the United Nations were in accepting these two illegitimate states. So the Israeli um, government um, were very, very closely linked to the old Nationalist Party and we would have expected our government uh, to downgrade this embassy if not just close it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's hear from Terry. Maybe you want to just give a quick comment on that. Yes, um, both countries are highly, highly militarized and in the 1970s, Israel was economically in a very desperate situation, and South Africa provided the funding for the development of the Israeli armaments industry, which is now a menace internationally. Israel goes from one war to the next, and then it markets its weapons as battle-tested and proven on Palestinians. It's exporting to 130 countries around the world. It's now the sixth largest arms exporting country. One of the markers of the transition here was the 1977 arms embargo by the United Nations Security Council. Obviously there were, uh, there were loopholes and it was flouted, particularly by Israel, but it did make a huge contribution in delegitimizing the apartheid government here. Mm-hmm. It's time not only for the South African government to um, downgrade or, or break our diplomatic relations with Israel, but it's time that we promoted through the African Union and other groupings a mandatory arms embargo to and from Israel, both weapons and exports of weapons from Israel, because the consequences we are seeing in Africa, for instance, are horrendous, that we have refugees from the Congo because of the, what is known as Africa's First World War, mm-hmm. of Israeli weapons maintaining the, dicta- the Kabila dictatorship in office, against the plunder of 
Congolese uh, resources. Mm-hmm. Just to remind our listeners once again that the views expressed on the program does not necessarily reflect the views of the Voice of the Cape, its management or staff. My attention to the SMS line, there's a message here that says, yes, it is definitely a humanitarian issue. Postscript, hat off to people like Teddy. We thank you. They won't move past the rhetoric Chances are very slim. Well, once again, a very big shukran and thank you to our listeners for their participation to the program called The Burning Issue here on The Voice of the Cape. Now, I believe we are also joined online by Kaya Khaba, who is the national spokesperson for Nihau. Kaya, very good evening to you. To listeners at home, and good evening to the other speakers on the line. Good evening, Kaya. Good evening, Kerry. Good evening. Uh, Kaya, my first question to you. How does Nehau view the South African government's two-tongued perspective on Palestine? Well, basically, our view on the whole issue is that our our government, especially those who are uh, interested in running Deco, are in cohorts with apartheid Israel, and they're doing everything to undermine our, our, our long-held history with the Palestinians. And as the former speaker has also alluded that the apartheid government of South Africa and, and apartheid Israel colluded uh, during the apartheid days of South Africa to 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 to, to perpetrate the issue of apartheid. So basically, what they're saying is we the people at Deco needs to uh, start uh, behaving in a manner that seeks to to represent us, the people of the streets, the people of this country, especially also. Uh, the, the, the ideals and the resolutions of the of the of the, of the ruling party, which is the African National Congress, which is to say, we are in solidarity with the Palestinian people, and of course, our struggle is the struggle of the Palestinians. If you remember, well, even Nelson Mandela said, "Our freedom, of South Africans, is not complete without the freedom of the Palestinians." So, South Africans have that obligation to then struggle towards the attainment of freedom for the Palestinians. And we shouldn't be doing anything that should be able to aid or, 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 or mend relations with apartheid Israel. Instead, we should be doing the, 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 the direct opposite and ensure that apartheid Israel is isolated. We will we, we, we speak to the issues of, of boycotts, sanctions, and so on, so that they feel that what they're doing is, is uncalled for. I mean, uh, the freedom of South Africans also came in the form of, of sanctions, and for course that were done by other countries. So we should be leading in, 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 in that aspect or in that field of ensuring that we strangle out uh, apartheid Israel and we fight for the for the for the attainment of the freedom of the Palestinians. Well, my attention once again to the SMS line and message line. One of our listeners is saying to me, I should read all the messages. Why are you not reading all my comments? I will get through those comments to my listener. Uh, just that we have, uh, you know, quite a number of guests and we would want to give our guests an opportunity to really express themselves and also on this particular topic. So I do make an appeal that you bear with me at this stage. Uh, Dr. Anwar Nagy, do we still have you on the line? Yes, yes. Okay, so, uh, Doctor, uh, I mean, I think you've given us an idea of how you think the ANC government should respond to Trump's Jerusalem decision. Uh, is there anything else at this stage pertinent that you wish to, sh- to share with our listeners? Yeah, let, let's just say that besides the fact that Trump is now saying this is an, um, an election promise which he made to the APAC and to made to the, the Zionist lobby in America, it's also that Trump is also facing an impeachment. So is Netanyahu facing an impeachment. <laughs> we also know that uh, Bill Clinton went to war on the face of his Monica Lewinsky potential impeachment. And for Trump, in fact, 
to uh, use this just as an election promise, um, uh, we, we, we think it's also a way to deflect his particular potential impeachment with his collusion uh, that he had with, with, with corruption in, in, in the elections that took place. So that's one aspect, you know, uh, whether, whether or not he worked with Russia or didn't work with Russia. The man is a complete um, uh, buffoon, doesn't understand international politics, and he probably didn't even know the geography where certain other countries of the world were. And what is happening, he's playing to the, to the uh, new cons, and he's playing to the right wing of America, which ultimately um, have put him in power. And they, they, they're not necessarily a majority. And I can tell you, many peace-loving Americans are not going to tolerate this. And uh, many of them are standing up, and we'll see civil society uh, bringing this matter to to, to fork much more fluently. Maybe just your quick comment, uh, Dr. Anwar Nagia, as we said, we are joined online by Dr. Anwar Nagia, Director of the Palestine Museum. Uh, the decision to relocate the U.S. Embassy to East Jerusalem is regrettable and not constructive in advancing a sustainable solution. What is your comment on that? Well, it's, it's not even a question where they, where they locate everything. This is a, this is a complete uh, geopolitical uh, a move to try and test the waters that other countries, in fact, give credence to the Zionist project. Now, despite the fact that we have many, many uh, countries now, for the first time, uh, having kind of tacit support for the Palestinians, that momentum has grown to such an extent that it's needed now more than ever because they can't sustain the lie the Zionist project is. And the Zionist project, in fact, will lead us to a potential third world, world war. And Americans do know that. And also people in Palestine and in, in illegitimate Israel know that. And that's the kind of pressure they're putting both on Netanyahu, civil societies. Many of the military people are not participating. People are just, just resigning from the army. And some people are just... just Your call has been placed on hold. Please. Okay, I think either we've lost Dr. Anwar Nagia on that one quickly. Do we, see, do we have Kaya on the line still? Kaya? Okay, we're going to check there with our sound technical engineer if he can assist us at this stage. Maybe see if we can go for a quick ad break. And when we come back, we'll continue with the burning issue here on The Voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa Welcome back to the airwaves of the Voice of the Cape. And if you have just joined us, we continue our discussion on Trump's controversial decision to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Now, this week is a crucial week for South Africa as the ANC heads to its elective conference, where it makes resolutions on key policies on the agenda will be the Palestinian issue. Now, we are joined in the studio still by uh, Terry Crawford-Brown, representing the Palestine Solidarity Campaign. And we are joined online by Dr. Anwar Nagia, who is the director of the Palestine Museum. Uh, Doctor, do we have you back on the line? Yes, thanks, thanks. Thanks very much for that. Now, Doctor, another comment, for example, says that South Africa recalls all United Nations resolutions of both the United Nations Security Council and the United Nations General Assembly, with particular attention to those resolutions that have a direct bearing on the unilateral decision taken uh, by the United States. What is your comment on that? Well, firstly, you know, South Africa is unfortunately in this very difficult and invidious position, which I don't think it should be invidious, that we have what is called AGOA, which is the uh, Growth and African Trade, 
which means South African companies and American companies can do business in South Africa to the tune of many, many billions of rands. And if the South African ambassador at the United Nations, despite the fact that they condemn the resolutions supporting the uh, the, the, the issues of, of the Palestinian fight for the Palestinian people, it means that from a from a trade perspective, they've cowered down, and and that has been the 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 sad and the the ironic uh, situation in the South African uh, government's position at the United Nations. Uh, they sing one song and then they're not consistent at the United Nations. And I think within the rank and file of the ANC, there's a large member support, in fact, for our position, a pro-Palestinian position, that we, in fact, uh, collapse the notion of a two-state theory, uh, and that we collapse the notion of uh, the illegitimacy of, of the Israeli project, in terms of the Zionist project. And so the African government uh, is very complicit in their silence, conspicuous in their silence, when it comes to the issues of the trade that they don't want to sacrifice. And that's the difficulty. Um, and to, to political persons like ourselves and many South Africans who've lived under apartheid, you yourself and others, and Terry particularly, you know, he's much more uh, senior than us. Yeah. I mean, he knows, uh, <laughs> Terry, I'm not giving away your age. I've joined the club recently. Um, but, but Terry will understand that, you know, the uh, vociferous nature in terms of how the lobbies work um, both in South Africa and at the UN, it makes it difficult for client states, ex-client states like South Africa, to desist. Mm -hmm. And we urge our, uh, our politicos and we urge our political formations, in fact, not to give in. Um, now is a time in our history where we have an opportune moment, in fact, not to fall on the wrong side of history. And we urge the conference that are taking place now uh, that they move beyond just a downgrade but they also move uh, in terms of, of not supporting um, both Britain, France, Germany, and America um, in, their, in, their, in their condemnation against the illegitimate state. We've got a couple of minutes left very quickly. Uh, Terry, can I ask you, I think we spoke about this thing, uh, the International Criminal Court possibility. Mm -hmm. Yes, as Anwar has alluded, the Americans have no compunctions about blackmailing countries such as South Africa and Algoa, but... Just two weeks ago, they threatened to blackmail the Palestinians on closing the Palestine office in Washington yeah, if they proceeded right. with the International Criminal Court of, uh, 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 action. Mm -hmm. uh, now that the gloves are off and the illusion of an, um, uh, uh, U.S. mediation has been um, jettisoned, I would hope that the international community can support the Palestinians in bringing charges at the International Criminal Court against both Israel and the United States, although they are not members of the ICC, but they can still be charged in terms of genocide, in terms of Article 6, crimes against humanity, including apartheid in terms of Article 7, and war crimes, and bring this matter to the International Criminal Court. We continue to bemoan the fact that the ICC has focused its attention um, on Africa and has failed to bring war criminals such as Bush. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Anna Nagia, as I said, time is running out, but maybe just uh, from your side, uh, you know, there's been mass marches to Parliament and Blair uh, to justice. This is an opportunity to re-establish the credibility of the ICC. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Anna Nagia, as I said, time is running out, but maybe just uh, from your side, uh, you know, 
there's been mass marches to parliament, there's been picketing and all those kind of things. But in your view, very quickly, what can civil society do as it regards the prevailing situation? Well, I think, um, uh, first of all, I agree 100% with Terry, and I, and I agree in his position that there's only this period in history that has allowed us uh, to be able to take up the issue both within America, both within Britain and France, considering uh, Marconi and um, um, the, the British uh, Prime Minister <laughs> Theresa May have also fleetingly uh, con- condemned that action. But what can civil society do? Very simply, the march on Wednesday is another of such a particular momentum that we need to drive the wedge in. And yes, civil society goes to meetings and public meetings. And Terry organized a very successful um, a demonstration and protest on Friday. On Friday, yes. Uh, and, 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 and that is the momentum that civil society can do. But we cannot excuse civil society anymore that in their conversation and in their homes and in their places of work and their place of assembly, that if they don't bring this issue as a human rights issue and not a religious war, then I think they'll be failing in their duty. This period in history with Trump's um, um, uh, declaration of Jerusalem as the, ca- uh, as the capital of, of illegitimate Israel is giving us activists a, 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 a good shot in the arm because American civil society will support us. It's the first time that there was this exogenous thing that's been done. And you need in history exogenous things. Either people die or either people, in fact, go to jail. But, of course, here... Is, is, is a decision, a, un, a global unilateral decision against, against everything, um, both the UN and, and both what normal societies and restorative justice, this guy's just declared that. Now, we know it's to bail, to bail him out, but we can use the spirit in history to opportune. And therefore, the Palestine Museum is there. The Palestine Museum is there to create a proper positive of all of civil society's campaigns and house it in one particular front like BDS, like the PSG, like the Palestinian support groups, all of these organizations, then can, we can create a positive for our response. Look, remember, oppression is not deliberate. It's by calculation. And to undo that, we must do exactly the same. By calculation, we must plot, we must plan, and we must give expression to the campaigns in a consistent way and in a meaningful way. And, and you know, both the unions, uh, Kaya and both uh, Kerry, has been at, at the forefront of this campaign for, 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 for many, many decades now. And we, we, we literally uh, uh, salute them for these continuous actions. And so too does the other society. And your radio station itself is another medium. You know, the attack must be at every particular front. Uh, it cannot, cannot be left. Uh, just to uh, uh, activists like ourselves. Mm. Well, a very big shukran there to Dr. Anwar Nagia, as we said, the director of the Palestine Museum. Shukran once again for your participation uh, to the program this evening. And on that note, we say to you everything of the best. And assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Well, that was Dr. Anwar Nagia, as we said, director of the Palestine Museum. Well, we still have uh, uh, Terry in studio with us, and it's an, a humanitarian issue. Uh, Terry, you know, any concluding remarks from your side, or maybe if you want to address the issue, what can civil society do? Get your marching shoes on on Wednesday and <laughs> march to Parliament from District 6.
Okay. Uh, Terry, thanks very much uh, for also joining us in the studio and for your participation to the program this evening. That's Terry Crawford-Brown representing the Palestine Solidarity Campaign. My apology to our listeners that we could not get to your SMSs uh, via the content, uh, but I'm sure you would agree, you know, that what we've had to discuss with Terry Crawford-Brown, Malana Ihsan Hendricks, uh, Professor Farid Essex, Dr. Anwar Nagia, uh, those were very pertinent issues. So Terry, once again, a very big thank you to you. Shukran. A pleasant evening further, Afwan, and a very good evening to you.